As it happened sometime uh, this past year, we've run into someone at the grocery store and they had a mask on, and you're like, hey, how are you? Uh, well, this past week, we challenged some of our newer staff and some of our veteran staff to name popular people, people who were popular or who are popular now. Uh, take a look at what happened. So we're going to show you 10 photos. Okay. You just need to tell us who these people are. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Let's do it. Now, can you guys Photoshop out any undesirables? Uh, he's a cowboy. <laughs> he looks like a country singer. I don't know. Billy Joel? Uh, Burt Reynolds, my mom's favorite guy. Ooh. That's a, that's a number, it's a cross between a D and a number one. The one. <laughs> it's a the one, right? No? Oh, that dude, that's TikTok. That is TikTok. TikTok, obviously. Follow us, CCB Valley Kids. He looks important. That looks like a president. Oh, crap. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. This is bad. It's a president. Carter. Oh, Gerald Ford, of course. Whoa, son of a... Ah, uh, that's a mullet. I don't know who that guy is, though. <laughs> Tiger King, Joe Exotic. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix? I know that song. I don't know them. ZZ Top. Who? ZZ Top. I think you're making these up. Oh, yeah, baby. That's ZZ Top. Who is that? Well, he looks like an explorer of, like, uh, of, like, Alaska. I have no idea who that is. Um, does he go here? I feel like that's someone I should know, like, yes. around me. Yes. Um... <laughs> That's Kevin Stone, United States Navy, circa 1981, maybe. Styling, right? You gotta admit. You gotta admit he's looking good. <laughs> looking good. Well, today we're gonna look at a second story of the resurrection, uh, one that's not talked about a lot in churches, where two people didn't recognize Jesus, and he was right there with them. Luke chapter 24 says, now the same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other and about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing them. Now, we're, we immediately ask the question, who are these two people that they don't even recognize Jesus? Well, later in the story, we're told that um, one of them is a guy named Cleopas. John's account of uh, the crucifixion says, standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his, his mother's sister, Mary, wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Scholars believe that Clopas is a variant of Cleopas. And so New Testament uh, scholar N.T. Wright says that he believes 
that Cleopas is Mary's brother-in-law and Mary is Mary's sister. So I just want to let you sink that in a bit. Two people are walking from Jerusalem and it's Jesus' aunt and uncle. Verse 15 says, as they talked, they discussed these things. One translation that you can have of the word discussed is they were disputing with each other. In other words, they were having a good old fight. Numb, probably, from the loss. Quite possibly, they didn't share their own faith. Question is, John's gospel says Mary was there at the crucifixion. Where was Cleopas? Where was he? Perhaps they've had ongoing discussions about Jesus. Like, I knew there was something off about that kid. Or, hey, you know what? I told him over and over again, if he keeps talking this way, he's going to get in trouble Get in trouble with the Romans. He's going to likely get himself killed if he keeps talking about leading a new kingdom. They're going to come in and they're going to do something terrible to him. I told him this was going to happen. But Luke 24, 16 says, they were kept from recognizing him. They were like, who? Now, have you, if you haven't seen the movie Captain Phillips, it's because you've been living with the Amish for the last decade. So I'm just going to go ahead and ruin the ending for you. Tom Hanks is a captain of the ship going around the Horn of Africa. Somali pirates take the ship hostage. And after a harrowing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, is he going to live? Is he going to die? Navy SEALs get this miraculous shot off, kill both of the hijackers. They take Tom Hanks, take him to the bottom of the ship where they're treating him. And in what has to be, I believe, the best five minutes of Tom Hanks' entire acting career, he sits there in shock because of what happened. And I think that's why they didn't recognize him. He asked, where are you going? What are you discussing? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in these days? In other words, hey, idiot, are you the only person that didn't hear about Jesus dying? But don't be harsh with Cleopas. Because people without hope, as we all know, easily turn into people without manners. If I'd been Jesus, I'd have been like, where have I been? Oh, I don't know. Back in Jerusalem dying for humanity? That's where I've been. But he didn't do that. He just said, well, what things? And then presumably Mary goes and, how about Jesus? And he's a prophet and powerful, the chief priest, and they killed him. And, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And there you have it. One of the saddest phrases a human being can speak. We had hoped. And that's their story. Author John Ortberg tells about the time he and his Nancy were going to Lamaze classes for their first child. For those of you who have had children and more than one child, um, don't you basically go to Lamaze classes for the first child and then you're going to just wing it for the second and third or whatever. Orberg says he goes to the class and he learns in Lamaze class that Lamaze trainers are advocates of not using the word pain and talking about uh, your spouse's pain while you're going through childbirth because you don't want to associate this beautiful memory with pain. And you're, when they're giving birth, 
they use the, they use the, always use the phrase discomfort. And so the day came when Nancy's in labor and Orberg says she was been in late, she'd been in labor for 12 hours and their daughter, Laura's body had completely turned 180 degrees in my wife's body. And after more than 11 hours of having the hardest part of the head press against my wife's spine, the doctor, Ortberg said, reached into my wife's body and turned the baby around. And Ortberg said, while the doctor was turning the baby inside the womb, she let out a scream he had never heard before. And Ortberg said, since I was the coach, I, kn I knew I had to do something. So I said, Nancy, are you experiencing some discomfort right now? <laughs> Anybody here experienced some discomfort over the last year? I think all of us have. I'll talk to skeptics all the time and they'll ask me, why are you inviting me Easter? What's the big deal about Easter? And I always like to invite people that are far from God to come on Easter because they learn three things. They learn number one, that on this day we celebrate the greatest moment in all of history that number one can make all of your past mistakes, erase them, gone, clean, from the east to the west, anything you've ever done. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, it says in the original Greek, kainakatises, new creation, new person. When that happened to me, it was like this thousand pound weight I'd been carrying on my shoulder just dropped. I didn't have to live up to any expectation. I only had one person to please from now on, him. That same thing can happen to you, you're, you're, you're slate clean. But number two, I love it when skeptics come on Easter because they learn that God is with us and he's for us. When I talk to skeptic, skeptics, they honestly don't like talking to Christians. And they don't like coming to church services because they often express this, it's kind of like going to a doctor, you know, hey, I don't want to go to a church service and have people make me feel worse. In the same way, you don't want to go to your doctor and say, hey, I'm sick. And then he yells at you for being sick. Like, that's the whole reason I'm here is because you're going to help me not be sick anymore. And we're starting this new series next Sunday. And please come back to be a part of this. We're going to be studying one of the coolest, most powerful books in the entire Bible. All the questions that you have and all of the problems that you're wrestling with, answers are in that book. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going through that series over a period of six weeks. We're going to write questions that we're going to make available during the week. And the last three weeks, we've had people volunteer to step in our church to host discussions. Discussions that are going to happen virtually, discussions that are going to happen in person. And so we have groups that are going on all week long, all times of the day for, for young, old, singles, married, whatever it is, every configuration that you have an interest or desire to be a part of, we have a discussion group uh, happening for you that will be starting after next Sunday. And so for those of you who are here live, after the service, I want you to go over to that side of the room. Just give me three minutes. Go to that side of the room and find out what kind of groups are available. Because our mission is to help more 
or to help people more, just to make more and better disciples. And so for those of you who are new, we want to we bring you into this community that we're building where he is our teacher and we're his students and we're learning how to make life work from him. But the last thing, the most incredible thing that skeptics can learn on Easter is that you can know where you're going to go when you die. Have you made plans for your funeral? Have you made plans for who's going to be there? Have you made plans for what's going to happen? There's this verse that the Apostle Paul, he, he, he uses the word arabon. Arabon is a guarantee of something that is to come. It's earnest money or like a down payment for us in a, in a, in a business transaction. The resurrection of Jesus is the arabon. When I was a kid, when, whenever I had a birthday, my mom would make the cake. And maybe this dates me. When you were a kid, did, did you have a homemade cake for birthdays? Um, one of my favorite things about the cake was my mom would ask me, do you want the bowl? And the answer was, of course, absolutely, I want the bowl. And for those of you who haven't had a homemade cake before, basically you're mixing up the mix in a bowl and there's going to be some of the, the, the cream and the filling and topping and all of that left in the bowl. So you're able to scoop it out and taste what the cake will be once it comes out. And when Jesus' resurrection occurred, he was the first man out. He was the first person that the resurrection happened for. He is the Arabon. He is the, the foretaste of what was going to happen. I've told this before, but one of my favorite stories about Easter is that there was a woman who was diagnosed with cancer and her doctor told her that she had just months to live. Go home and make preparations. So one of the first things she did is she contacted her pastor and said, hey, I wanna, I wanna talk about my funeral service. She said, I wanna give you the songs I want people to sing. What scripture to read? I want to be buried with my favorite Bible in my left hand. I want you to talk about Jesus' death on the cross and the resurrection. And then one more thing, this is important. I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. And the pastor was like, okay, why? What? She said, in all my years going to church functions, and this was true if you were a part of a smaller church. I was a part of a small church as a kid, and Every, when there was a month that had five Sundays in it, we would stay after church and everybody would bring food. And all my years of going to church functions, whenever food was involved, my favorite part would come when whoever was cleaning dishes off the main course would lean over and say, honey, you can keep your fork. And it was my favorite part because I knew that it meant something great was coming and it wasn't jello. It was something of substance like, cake or pie, biblical food. So I just want people to see me there in my casket with a fork in my hand and I want them to wonder, what's with the fork? And then I want you to tell them, something better is coming. You can keep your fork. And so the next time someone asks, why do you celebrate Easter? Or you're wondering to yourself, why do we go to, go to all of this trouble Believing and following Jesus and all of that. Easter is about one thing and one thing only. Hope. Regardless of where you've been. Regardless of what you've done. Hope to overcome any problem. 
Hope to make it through the darkest of nights. Hope for anyone who wants it. It's the kind of hope that says, hey, listen, you can keep your fork because there's something better coming. Let's pray. To you today, we turn our eyes. We thank you for the mystery of something occurring 2,000 years ago, how it affects us today. Gosh, we, we certainly don't have to create in our minds circumstances where we need hope. Hope with our kids, hope in our marriage, hope with friends, hope in our bodies, hope in our careers, finances, and our culture. To you, we look as the first man out. The foretaste, the earnest money, the aura bone. Hey, something great happened, but something even better is coming. To that day we look in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.